If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. Even though I was freelance for the last few years and had really good connections with lots of different newspapers and things, I was still always told that sustainability doesn't sell. It's boring. No one's interested. And I just felt in my gut that was wrong. I was like, it's how we're positioning it. We're positioning it as something boring and you're going to switch off like it's a lecture. Why is it that environmental issues rarely make headlines in mainstream media? What's the importance of providing objective information about sustainability as opposed to subjective ones? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. To receive weekly highlights from the podcast that I write myself, you can subscribe for free at greendreamer.com. With that, to thank you for being here, you'll also automatically be entered to win our monthly giveaways. And for now, to our episode, let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is the founder of Pebble, which is a community and mobile-first magazine on a mission to influence consumer change through inspiring advice for sustainable living. Before starting Pebble, she accumulated 16 years of experience launching lifestyle magazines and managing editorial departments, including having worked with BBC Travel, Time Out, Lonely Planet, and so forth. So with her experience and expertise, she's been able to help Pebble cultivate an audience of over 40,000 readers and still increasing, of course, in spite of it only being a few years old. Green Dreamer, starting with what inspired her passion for sustainability, here's Georgina Wilson-Powell. I think a few different routes, really. I kind of come to it in a kind of wiggly way, if that makes sense. Um, I grew up in the countryside, I grew up by the coast, um, and we were we played outside a lot and we kind of ran around in fields. Um, but then I spent the last sort of 20 something years living in really built up cities. And I spent six years living in the Middle East, in Dubai, working as a sort of luxury travel journalist. And while that was amazing and I got to fly all over the world and see some amazing stuff, I had this it's a niggle in the back of my head where I was like, mm, this doesn't 
really sit well with me flying into places and reporting on really expensive hotels and it sounds like a dream job but after a while you're kind of like this feels a bit empty Mm. um and obviously sort of going to amazing places in the world and seeing a lot of the plastic pollution and also on a more positive note seeing people who are working in conservation and and really putting their heart and soul into projects and never being able to get them the coverage that they deserved because a lot of magazine editors and newspaper editors weren't interested unless something was brand new and to me that felt like I was missing so much of the story um, and so many stories that needed to be told So that was sort of one way in and it kind of was in the back of my head and I wanted to do something with all of that. And then I'm also very passionate about organic food and farming and sustainable food systems. And I worked on a lot of food magazines in in my time and I wanted to do something around that as well. And it all started to kind of come together. And then my actually my stepfather passed away two years ago and it was very sudden and he lived this very sort of organic, um, locally based, all about the community, very in, in tune with nature kind of life. And when he passed, it just, it felt to me like I wanted to do something that was a project a bit sort of in memory of him, but also it, it kind of all came together to bring all these strands together and present Pebble as a platform where no matter what angle of sustainability you're interested in, you could find something that would suit you and hopefully connect the dots between all these amazing different industries. Um, Sorry, that's a bit of a long (laughs) rambly answer, but I guess lots of different light bulbs went off in different industries for me. And I think what we've done is try and pull all those things together. Well, first of all, I'm sorry for your loss with your stepfather. Um, I actually want to go back. So you mentioned how all of these magazines and media companies, they want to feature what's the newest. Uh, Mm. They want to feature these stories that are new because I guess people want to read about new things. Do you think this is why a lot of issues to do with sustainability or conservation don't really make it into headlines or the top stories? Yeah, I think there's there's a few different reasons. I I mean, I've worked in sort of mainstream magazines a a bit for big brands for the last 16 years. And even though I was freelance for the last few years and had really good connections with lots of different newspapers and things, I was still always told that sustainability doesn't sell. It's boring. Um, no one's interested. And I just felt in my gut that was wrong. I was like, it's how we're positioning it. We're positioning it as something boring and you're going to switch off like it's a lecture. Whereas actually when you look at it, a lot of the industries and the companies working at the forefront of those industries, they have sustainability at their heart and center. And this is where all the exciting developments are, whether you're working in aquaponics or biotech or ethical fashion and new um, new materials, biodegradable, edible packaging, all these things that I kind of get very geekly excited about. <laughs> they've all got sustainability at their heart. And I think it's a way that I wanted to rebrand it, if you like, rebrand it as something actually is just part of your daily life and hopefully we can we all just make these smaller changes and and look at everything we're doing and adapt and support the brands that are doing good rather than like having to kind of strip out everything we're doing and going living on a mountain and in a hemp shirt kind of thing (laughs) but with the media I kind of felt yes they're not you know they might do a sustainable issue once a year but I just saw so many companies setting up that were exciting and had green you know they give back or they're a b corp or they're sustainable and just thought there's so many people interested in this stuff 
I don't see it represented anywhere in mainstream media unless it's a one-off thing. And our success, I think, is, is proof that, that people are interested and, and they, they desperately want to learn and connect and share and give advice. And it's very collaborative. And that's, I think, again, something the mainstream media is missing. And also with sustainability being so integral to our survival and well-being, it's kind of something that needs to be baked into everything that we tell in our stories. Absolutely. And I think consumers nowadays are more interested in the stories. And, you know, we have a lot of features um, in our sort of ethical fashion stream that's a lot about manufacturing and processes and fabrics and growing cotton. And people are really interested in it. They don't just want to go out and buy clothes. They want to understand how it's been grown and made and who it supports. And I think that's such a a much more mature take on consumerism um, and, and sort of the way we shop and interact with brands. And that's something we're, we're really about, so telling those stories and getting that understanding of how, how things work, because we've forgotten a lot about where our stuff comes from. You know, it doesn't just arrive in a shop one day. It's, it's been made by someone. Um, and I think we're really trying to get back to that. There's so much to it. Well, like you mentioned, you've managed editorial departments and launched lifestyle magazines for over 16 years, including helping Lonely Planet Traveler launch in the Middle East, working at places like BBC Travel, Time Out, and so on. So I'm guessing you got to travel a lot for these roles. Um, what was like one of the greatest lessons you learned about life or about humans from your travels? Gosh, that's a really good question. <laughs> I think the, the bit that always struck me, and at one point I was traveling an awful lot, sort of, you know, 20, 30 places a year, which I now kind of hold my, you know, horrendous sort of carbon emission <laughs> footprint, but we all, we all make, uh, we all are on a journey. Um, to me, it's everyone's the same. You know, everyone has the same concerns. Everyone has the same um, happiness. They all want the same thing. They all want their family to be safe and looked after and want to kind of do their bit. And I think that's what really struck me when I was spending time in lots of different countries is that everyone wanted their their country, their their locality, their community to be better and cleaner and more sustainable and look after it. And we forget that we we see barriers and we see difference and actually we're really all the same mm. um and i think that's one lovely thing about the way things have evolved with podcasts and with digital magazines is we all have a global audience nowadays and that's that's really inspiring you know we have a, a facebook community and we have people from all over the world in it and really what chimes out is that everyone's on the same path everyone's you know working towards the same goals and i think that's really positive and whole when we're showing so much negativity at the moment, I think that is actually really, really powerful. So what do you think we can do as a world to get past our differences that often divide us to really see that we are, we operate in the same ways. We're all humans um, on a very fundamental human level. Like we're so similar. And I feel like that's something that can really bring people together and have us all work together towards a sustainable shared planet. Definitely. And I, I think um, there's always a balance, isn't there? I mean, I, on the one hand, I would say travel and meet as many people from different nationalities as you can and, and have those conversations. But obviously, that comes with an impact on the environment. And I think that is one of the biggest hurdles we've all got is trying to reconcile our lives with what we want to do and what we probably know we shouldn't be doing and trying to figure out ways around that. And I think to try and sort of overcome those barriers is talking, it's conversations with people and it's reading 
um, and listening and, and sort of interacting with people, whether it's podcasts or magazines and, and being inspired by what other people are doing, no matter where they're coming from or what color they are or, or how old they are as well. Um, I think it's just one thing we've noticed a lot working in this sustainable space is that people are so more open to collaborating and talking and listening than you'd have in a very like traditional industry, say maybe like mainstream fashion or or mainstream media. And that's been so refreshing. Everyone wants to help. Everyone wants to collaborate. And I think because everyone's got the same bigger goal, you know, we all want the same thing. We all want a cleaner earth. We all want a better future. And so that allows people to kind of work together in a less stressful way. I don't know how you found it, but that's to me how that's how a lot of these industries are now more more collaborative. And that's, again, another really sort of positive thing. Definitely. I definitely feel like when we see a common shared goal, a lot of our like petty differences, they don't really matter as much anymore because we're focused on that bigger thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that bigger thing allows us to be more compassionate and allows us to be more um, open with people as well. And, and yeah, I think it's just so there's so many resources out there now for people to engage with no matter where you are in the world. And I think that's that's an amazing thing. For sure. So you started Pebble Magazine in November 2016, and there's a lot of online publications out there today. What did you want to do differently with this? There's a few different things. There's there's the fact that my whole team, you know, myself and my creative director and, and the other freelancers that we work with, we're all very skilled, very experienced journalists and editors and designers. You know, we're bringing that sort of um, editorial standard that you'd find in print magazines and sort of really large brands over to what is essentially a free content platform. We always wanted to have a, be a very stylish, sleek uh, magazine portal. Um, you know, we have sort of completely unisex readers and we didn't want to be too feminine. Um, and we also didn't want to um, focus too much on our own journeys. Um, and it will be about us. It's much more a platform to promote other brands and really see other businesses grow and other amazing artists and pioneers and share their stories so we want to be this this platform where people can kind of dive in and and learn and share and it's not just us kind of going you know here's some beauty treatment we're trying out or or something like that so I think for us that kind of more objective point of view um has been really important and obviously now there are a lot more resources out there I, I feel like even two years ago what we were doing um no one else was kind of doing it in the same way and we also cover so many different things from from the eco travel right through to zero waste and plastic waste and, you know, green architecture and biotechnology, so many different things. Again, I feel like that's quite unusual. What do you think is important about having objective information as opposed to subjective information out there? I think um, it's a really good question. Um, I think with objective <laughs> You know, we're not presenting one solution and we've been very careful to do that. Um, We have a lot of vegan content on the magazine. We have a lot of vegan readers, but we also are passionate about um, supporting sustainable um, farming and sort of organic food and organic meat. And at the moment, we've got a big drive to share farming stories um, because to us, that's a huge part of looking after the environment and, and helping to make a change there. And I think it means that we don't get too involved in just one solution. We kind of present lots of different ones because to me, everyone's going to have different red lines. Everyone's going to be passionate about more passionate about one thing over another. So we're not kind of saying everyone has to do this or this is the only way we're going to save things. 
because ultimately it's not going to be one way. People are going to find lots of different solutions and some will work for some people and some the other. So for us, it allows us to be that platform where lots of things can be presented together. Right. Um, and I think that that appeals to a lot of more different people. Yeah. So it's less so about what solution is best or what's right or wrong. It's just about offering a bunch of different options for everybody because everyone's so different as individuals and what people want to start with in their first steps into sustainability might be different than what like other people's first steps. Exactly. And then we've got sort of longer stories with people that we find just absolutely inspiring that you might just want to read and kind of understand how they're changing the world and seeing what one person can do. And then we have a lot more like practical, sustainable advice and how to guides and stuff. And it's going to be different for everyone. So we try and pitch things at different levels um, and different budgets as well, which is really important because we know what's right for one person might not be right for someone else. So we, we, we're a small team, but we do manage to put out a lot of content. For sure. So Pebble Magazine is still quite new, but you guys have grown so quickly. You have over 40,000 readers today. Can you take us back to one of the most challenging moments for you as you were building up the audience? Gosh, I think quite a few. I think it's just... There's one that's, which is how many emails we get, which is a lovely <laughs> problem, but we are inundated. And sometimes it takes days just to clear the inbox. Wow. Um, and you're kind of like battling through it. And you, actually what you want to be doing is writing content and interacting with people. We've been bowled over by how much response we get, just, you know, not just from readers, from PRs, from brands, all sorts of things. And so much response on social media that it can be quite challenging to try and keep up with all of that. Um, and we, we really want to try and get back to everybody that, that gets in contact with us. So, you know, we, we really want to be there for as many people as we can. But sometimes it's challenging. And, you know, we're basically two and a half people at the moment. So it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to keep going. And I think anyone that started their own business, you have ups and downs and you have ebbs and flows. And sometimes you're like head in your hands and other times you're exhilarated, um, possibly in the same day. So I think just... For, for me, it's, it's the, almost like the scale of it, um, how quickly it's gone has been amazing, but also challenging to kind of, we're running to keep up. But it's an, it's an amazing problem to have. So what do you do to keep going when things aren't, when things are really overwhelming? And how do you keep up with all of these things? I used to do a lot of yoga, um, but the last few <laughs> months I haven't even had a chance to do that. Um, long walks. Um, I, I try not to work too late into the evenings. And when I get a bit overwhelmed, you do have to take a step back and go, well, actually, it, they're all really good problems because people want to be engaged and they want to learn and they want to share. And, you know, we get some amazing emails from people telling us they've discovered whole new industries they didn't know existed. And we often put people in touch that, you know, one brand might be able to help another brand. And seeing that kind of stuff really makes a difference when you know you've helped people in their lives. I think as cheesy as that is, it really makes it makes you kind of go, oh, it's all worth it. For sure. Well, it's always really rewarding to hear back, like feedback from people saying that it's made a difference or it's helped them in some way. So that alone is a huge motivator. Definitely. And I saw some really lovely feedback on your site of people kind of loving the podcast. So you must get it as well. When, you're, when you see nice feedback, I think it makes it all the all the trials worth it. Definitely. Well, Pebble also really stood out to me because its bio reads that it's a community and mobile first magazine. Why did you decide to emphasize that it's mobile first? Um, I think for me, like it, my background's been print magazines. You know, I've never worked wholly in digital until a couple of years ago. 
and when we were building the site, we were we, it made sense to put the mobile stuff first because ultimately that's where most people read content nowadays. Whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, I mean, I read most of my content on my on my phone. So we wanted people to be able to access it from wherever they are. So, you know, it's all free, whether you want to read it on the beach, in the forest, on the tube, anywhere. And that really helped us with the design. And so we're kind of future-proofing the site a little bit. And then the communities become really important because we found people want to take the issues they they hear about on Pebble and then talk about them. So it's, to us, it's, it's it didn't set out to be a community, but it, it has become one. And that's been really encouraging as well I think everyone is not like old days where you'd have like a a facade of a brand and then no one knew what was going on behind the scenes I think people are very receptive to kind of seeing the chaos if you like Mm -hmm. um, and seeing the real story so that's that's really nice that we are a community I love that it just sounds like you're really putting your readers first with making sure that the reading experience is great because most of us do read uh, news on our phones and some websites have text that's just so small so I don't want to read it so I love that you put your readers first and also in terms of like just providing all different types of stories different options um, yeah I, I personally just really appreciate what you do for this sustainability world oh, thank you very much well I think we're all playing a part you know I think there's like Green Dreamer there's some amazing podcasts out there there's some amazing magazines and everyone's kind of got their different angle on it and everyone's producing slightly different stuff and, and and contributing and I think that's that's what's so lovely to see is everyone wants well, everyone wants to help each other and for us we are kind of serving a purpose which makes us happy and you know we can see brands growing because we direct you know new audiences to them and we can see audiences growing because they're finding good information through us so if we can keep on doing that that would be amazing. And well, like you mentioned, we really have to reframe the ways that society looks at sustainability so that it's not boring. It doesn't push people away with all of your experience uh, in storytelling and communicating this message. What's your greatest piece of guidance in terms of how we can tell more engaging stories around sustainability? I think one of the issues, if you like, first is we actually don't have the vocabulary that we need. And I, I have written about it quite a lot, and I, don't, I think I moan about it on the website. Um, I really hate the word sustainable, even though we use it all the time, yeah. because we just don't have the words that really explain what we're really talking about. And that's one thing we really want to break down with Pebble is when we say sustainable, we mean exciting. We mean like pioneering, breakthroughs, um, you know, just amazing stuff going on. And I think, you know, green doesn't quite cut it. Sustainable doesn't quite cut it. Ethical is kind of losing all meaning um, as people kind of shove it in front of everything now. So I think that that is a challenge in storytelling. And, you know, we we wanted very much, for example, on the site, not to have any green on there because we wanted people to see it as a lifestyle magazine first and then the sustainable stories there underneath. Um, and we wanted it to be stylish and then draw people in with the photography and then tell the stories. And I think that is a challenge for anybody working in this space. It's trying to get over those words that people use all the time. And we don't have enough different ones so I think, you know, telling these stories, we've really got to go in with why something's amazing and stand on it. You know, a product might be beautiful or a story might be incredible in its own right. And then sort of have the message running underneath rather than scare people away with like statistics and doom and gloom. We like to say, you know, with a carrot, not the stick, because you you can't like beat people into submission <laughs> for changing their behavior. You've got to kind of tempt them and, and woo them a little bit um so yeah that that's definitely something that we try and do and 
and also we, we say you know consistency is key just keep on doing what you're doing and I think a lot of people think they're gonna get number one on google rankings or change the world or have the best biggest website in like three months and it, it it's a slog <laughs> day in day out slog but you'll get there that's so interesting what you said about the language thing because I do feel like all of these words that are constantly thrown out there are losing their meaning just because they're being used all the time. And the word sustainable itself, it's not exciting in the sense that sustainability just means, I don't know, just kind of keeping things going or being able to maintain things as is. And that's not very exciting. No, and I I think, you know, a lot of people think sustainable, they think maybe engineering or building or like lecture, you know, to me, even to me, it kind of crumbles. It sounds dull. And it's not really what we mean. Like you said, it's, it doesn't really cover all the all the stuff we're talking about. So I think there's there's definitely work to be done in the space because you know we're kind of evolving the space as we go, all of us together. And we need a kind of common language to kind of excite people and catch it up. For sure. Do you have any recommendations on what types of language we can <laughs> develop around this? Like, do we need to invent new words, or like, how do we work with this? I'm definitely down for inventing new words. And everyone asked me that follow-up question. I'm like, (laughs) if I had the word, I would be using it. Um, But definitely, if you come across it, a good word, let us know. I I think things will evolve. You know, we're still really all, everything that we're talking about, you know, joining the dots, which is a lot of of what we do and, and what you do with your podcast. And I think that's still quite new. You know, people have only just started to look at their lives and kind of go, oh, it's not just about buying fair trade chocolate or um, organic coffee it's about everything we're doing and that really has only been in the last few years um so I think you know things will catch up and, and we'll develop new ways of talking about what we mean so maybe you just have to start something and start the trend and we'll follow yeah <laughs> once I think of that word I'm yeah I'll just that we me made that'll be done perfect keep us posted um <laughs> and yeah in general just with Pebble magazine you constantly have to stay up to date with things going on within sustainable living what do you think is one of our most urgent issues that we have to address within this field I know there's so much within but Oh, gosh. Um, For me, too, I mean, one thing that is thankfully now everyone's talking about is plastic. And I think, you know, finally, everyone has kind of cottoned on to the fact that that it is a bit of a catastrophe. And, we, we, you know, there's lots of people now doing cleanup operations and, and looking at how we can reduce everything that we have plastic in. So I think that's yeah that that to me really is one of those those huge issues and i think for the other one is ethical fashionable fashion in general none of us have really thought about it for for maybe a few decades we've got used to cheap fast fashion and things you know um, trends dropping every few months now and catwalk shows and uh luxury fashion um you know, I think we we need to stop and look at how much we're producing and why and you know the kind of the idea that Burberry are going around burning multi-million pounds worth of stock mm. to stop people getting their hands on it and an H&M are overproducing basically stuff that goes straight in the in the bargain bin. That to me is the, the whole overconsumption thing is, is something that is a really difficult thing to tackle but is ultimately behind a lot of our problems. So yeah, those, those two things I think are, are really, really key issues and they're very much in the public domain and the consumer domain. There's, there's things as individuals we can do with both of those issues. Whereas a lot of the big issues, I think, can feel a bit overwhelming and a bit helpless. Yeah. And even people who might not be fashionistas or people who don't follow like the runways or don't even, they don't even say they're interested in fashion, but everybody wears clothes in the modern world. (laughs) 
Most people. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you wear clothes. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think it's just like all these things, it's about adapting your your mindset and, and looking at how you purchase things and how long they last and what you do with them when they're finished. And, you know, all these kind of aspects of our, of our consumer life that we really have ignored for, for a long time. And I think slowly people are starting to kind of go, oh, where does my stuff go when I'm done? Um, how much do I need? And I think those are really, really good questions to start asking. Do you have any recommendations for how we can inspire our friends to start thinking about these questions as well? Because most of us are here because we already are thinking of these questions and are more conscious of the impact of consumption. But like, I feel like I still have a lot of friends who still shop fast fashion, even though they know that I care about sustainability. But I feel like these questions haven't really resonated with them yet. Definitely. And I, I have the same. Um, and it's really difficult like when you get together with people not to kind of like browbeat <laughs> um, and start getting on your sort of, you know, your your high horse. But I think it's about sharing the positives and it's about talking about amazing um, like fashion designers that maybe use circular design or uh, use vintage or, you know, amazing. Um, there's so many different sort of vintage websites now. You can buy uh, secondhand clothes and, and sort of upcycle clothes. And I think it's about, it's about showing, not telling, you know, showing the positives, um, taking them to events, showing them really cool brands that are, are sort of zero waste or don't use plastic and not challenging people too much when they're uncomfortable. You know, people don't like being challenged <laughs> um, and uh, often will close up or retreat. So it's it, it's about being kind and gentle and showing them the, what's out there rather than kind of pushing, I think, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, people shop for fashion because they like the style. So leading with that yeah. and then exactly. having sustainability come secondary, like you mentioned earlier, that might be helpful. Exactly. And and I also think like being an example is, is, a, is a quite, again, quite cheesy, but really works. You know, if you've got a really stylish like keep cup coffee cup or you've, you've got something that you love that's that's plastic free, you know, it, they're really good ways of starting conversations you know, people being curious about what you're doing or, or why it's different. I think they're, they're good ways into into having those deeper conversations that you kind of want to have, but don't know how to start. For sure. Well, what's next for you that we can look forward to and support? So we have a couple of things um, coming up. So we launched a thing called the Pebble Guides earlier this year, which is a series of sustainable city guides. So rounding up everything from vegan cafes to eco hotels in some of the UK's coolest cities. Um, so we're UK at the moment with uh, three cities and we're expanding that next year and hopefully doing our first kind of international cities. And that's a free to use um, web app, which is all backed by Google Maps. The URL is pebble.guide. And then we are um, expanding again in a way and launching our first ever festival, which will be in London on the 27th of April next year. So um, and that's going to be workshops and experiences and talks and food and drink and music. And um, you can bring clothes to swap. All sorts of things are going on. Super exciting. Where can we go to follow all of this information online and on social media? at Pebble Magazine. We're on all the social uh, media networks. And then we're at pebblemag.com for the website. Um, and you can sign up to our weekly issue through the um, website and that comes out on a Friday. And then we have a Facebook group called The Pebble Pod, um, which you can search for in Facebook and find us. 
So I have to admit that for these past few weeks in Chicago, which is where I've been for the past month or so, uh, they have been a struggle because it's been quite cold and it's been really cold actually and quite gloomy. And I'm just not that great with cold weather. It makes me slower, less motivated. So it's been hard for me to keep up in terms of interviewing people, constantly editing the audio, doing narrations, backend stuff, and publishing multiple episodes per week. And of course, I am extremely grateful for the few sponsors we've had to support us in producing the podcast to help make this possible. But since the show is still pretty new, we're at just over six months now, uh, we still have ways to go until sponsorship can fully support the cost of producing this show, which is honestly one of the practical reasons why it gets difficult as well. But you know, the one thing that really keeps me going is just thinking about you knowing that you're here right now. I mean, I'm, I'm so honored by that. I set out to create Green Dreamer Podcast because I know you have a unique gift to share with this world, and also we need you to support this sustainability movement. But I know life can be tough, this world can be harsh, and the social and environmental issues we face also can be really overwhelming and discouraging. So, uh... I don't really know where I'm going with this, actually. I don't have all the answers, but I guess I just want to tell you that it gets tough for me as well. I feel you, but I'm not going to let that make me lose sight of why this podcast is here, and I'm going to do my best to keep supporting you in all that you do, because like I said, we need you, and I am so grateful for you. Anyway, before I get emotional about this, here is our final five for this episode. Let's power through. What's one uplifting social media account or publication you follow? There's a really good one in the UK called Positive News, which is a print magazine, which is lovely. Mm. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? Oh, gosh. Um, you can only do so much. <laughs> that, that rings true a lot because I, I try and do everything. Um, what's one thing you do for your health, either daily or weekly? I go out with friends and drink wine every couple of weeks. and I feel like that, that's my um, escape valve. Uh, what's one thing you're working on right now to live more sustainably? I am trying to cut down on my meat and, well, yeah, cut out dairy altogether now and cut down, right down on meat consumption. What makes you most hopeful for a planet at the moment? Um, I think there's so many people who are wanting to live a better life. It's incredible. And everyone wants to share. I think that's, that's really positive. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? Keep on keeping on. <laughs> just take it one day at a time and no one's perfect you've just got to try your best no one's perfect so just try your best green dreamer thank you so much for tuning in you can find the two tweetable key takeaways from this interview as well as links and resources at greendreamer.com 89 for episode 89 reach me with feedback on how it can improve the show for you through the website's contact page and you can find me on instagram at kamea shane finally just remember now more than ever our planet needs your light to thrive so if you haven't yet Hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.